From Pretzel World Headquarters in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA, this is the Pretzel Podcast, a podcast about pretzels. Welcome to a very special episode of the Pretzel Podcast. I'm Mitch Tyke. And I'm Michelle Maternowski. For this edition of the Pretzel Podcast, we are venturing out of the studio for the first time to take a close look at this food that we know and love, or at least we think we know it, because we're going to speak with a real-life scientist and ask some very fundamental questions about the nature of pretzels. So come with us now as we travel to the far northwest side of Milwaukee to a special classroom space on the campus of Mount Mary University to meet Anne Vravik, who will explain who she is and where we are. I am the food science instructor here at Mount Mary University. So this is a new program we have that studies... Um, you know, how the texture of food works, how the preservation works, packaging, all that sort of a thing with food. All right. Well, we have come to the right person because we are here to discuss what makes a pretzel a pretzel. And Michelle, we have been talking sort of in general terms about what we like about pretzels, but it dawned on us, really, we don't know why they're pretzels or why they're good. Yeah, something we probably should have covered a little bit earlier, (laughs) but, you know, this will be good for us to go forward in the future and maybe not have so many uh, times when we go to try what we think is a pretzel and it turns out not to be one. Right. We hope you'll be able to sort of share with us the language of understanding why we like what we like. Yeah. I, I could, maybe we just audited the first uh, five or six episodes and now we're kind of getting into the semester here. Pretzel pros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ann Ravik, um first of all, uh, thanks so much for having us out here. Uh, are you a pretzel fan yourself? I am. I love pretzels. But I like the the soft-baked pretzels, like the Aunt Annie's version. (laughs) Well, we're going to ask about that, but that's a little bit later on. I think before we can get to uh, the the differences uh, between a soft pretzel and a typical hard pretzel, let's kind of talk about what makes a pretzel a pretzel, because they do come in all different shapes and sizes, but the, the things that turn out to be pretzels all have some commonalities. They do. They're uh, basic recipe is always flour, salt, yeast, and water. Um, hard pretzels are just those that have been cooked longer to make them crisp, as opposed to the original pretzel, which was the soft pretzel, which was thought to be around the early you know, 600s AD. Right. They, these came from uh, Western Europe. Correct. They're probably a hard pretzel now. <laughs> Nowadays, hard, right? Oh, yeah. Those. <laughs> petrified pretzels. Right. We tried one of those earlier today, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so, the original pretzels were, were soft pretzels and were served kind of like bread, maybe? Yes, definitely a bread version. And uh, they were thought to have developed by some monks um, in Europe who had extra bread available. And with the children that they were teaching uh, Bible verses too. They formed these bread pieces into what they called crossed arms, and it looked like children praying. So it was intended as a gift to them for the Bible verses that they memorized um, as a thank you. So it became a treat for children uh, in those days. One assumes that the hard pretzel came later on uh, just as a way to, to store pretzels for longer? What I understand is the hard pretzel came along once the pretzel was introduced to America. And so in the 1800s in Pennsylvania, when pretzels became a very popular item to manufacture, that there was someone who fell asleep at the wheel, so to speak, <laughs> and let them overcook to the point that they were too crispy. And uh, they, in fact, then 
decided that, you know what, this isn't that bad of a snack when it's crispy. Yeah, so I'm wondering what's the difference between bread and a pretzel then? Just the amount of cooking and the amount of moisture that's in the final product. So these have been cooked, hard ones have been cooked to the point that they're dried out, essentially. Um, No moisture available any longer, but the recipe is pretty much the same. So hard pretzels are really the Melba toast of of the pretzel world. Right. <laughs> right, the Melba toast of the pretzel world, exactly. I thought it was, where does lye come in? So lye, okay, so the original pretzels that were the soft bread form, and even those who have the claim on whether or not pretzels are authentic, you know, to German culture, um, they use the lye as a bathing solution after the pretzel bread has been made, formed into the typical style that we're aware of. Um, Then they soak them very closely in lye, which is actually just sodium hydroxide. So we think of lye. I mean, I can see your face. You look disgusted, right? (laughs) I don't even know what to think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lye is just sodium hydroxide. It's a very high pH, so upwards of pH of 9, which makes it very basic, very alkaline. And um, the purpose of that is just to soften the proteins around the exterior of the bread to give them that stickiness that we are so used to having when you bite into a soft pretzel. So it's intended to um, break down those proteins, cause them to gel a little bit, and that then when you bake them, you get that that stickiness afterwards. So that's a very traditional recipe. But we use lye for a lot of things. It can be a cleaning solution, mm-hmm. and but it can also be used with pretzels. But when it's baked, it's baked off. Um, it's no longer present in that form when we actually eat it. But um, in and of itself, it's not toxic at low levels. It's, um, you know, it's a salt. Well, and, and is it lye or baking soda? Because I know baking soda is part of the recipe a lot of times yeah, as well. Yeah. So Nowadays, and particularly in mass manufacturing, um, people use baking soda as a way to get a very alkaline solution of which you then soak the bread in to get that same um, color. But you don't get the depth of color. You can see that these are lighter in color than those that are the soft pretzels that were traditionally very dark, and that's because of the higher pH value than you get with um, these you know, more mass-manufactured hard pretzels that we have today. Malt shows up in a lot of recipes? Yeah, I don't know what malt is. <laughs> I really, yeah. It's I the really crossover not. between pretzels and beer. <laughs> right, exactly. It's definitely part of the grain. Um, I'm just not exactly sure why it is particularly important to pretzel manufacturing. Well, when it comes to making a pretzel, where would you think uh, are the easiest places for a good pretzel to go bad? Well, in my opinion, the overcooking to make them crisp. <laughs> Making them crisp, right. <laughs> um, but where they can go bad, I mean, it, it kind of depends, I guess, on your on your personal preference. Um, for me, I like that stickiness on the outside of a pretzel. That, to me, is a good, real pretzel that, um, you know, sticks to your tongue before it gets washed down. Um, so, to me, it's not having the sodium hydroxide bath. I, you know, I have heard that, that pretzels are of all the snack foods, the easiest to choke on. And I wonder if it has something to do with the stickiness. <laughs> it could. I think it's more of a fact that since they're so dry, that, you know, they get caught up that way. Right. Is the soaking what also turns it the golden brown Yeah, color? the dark okay. color. And in fact, um, well, like I said before, just the baking soda, you don't get as dark of a color as you do with the sodium hydroxide, which has a really high pH. But if you even... Um, you know, do experiments where you have even an acidic pH bath. Um, it won't turn brown at all. It's as white as the interior. 
So if there's no bath, is it not a pretzel? I think so. That's my personal mm. opinion. Well, and, and for people who might be trying to make pretzels on their own at home, I mean, obviously, uh, you could overdo it and, and ha- come back with something crisp. But what about in terms of uh, working the dough? Is that something that uh, are we are we trying to, to get a lot of the gluten constructed here or Good whatever question. the terminology is? Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of things about that. If you overwork the gluten and you get very, very stretchy proteins, you're going to get pretzels that blow up real big and puffy. And the baked pretzels, they want them smaller with less or smaller sized holes in the bread when you look at it. Um, Whereas a soft pretzel, they would probably want to develop the gluten more in order to get that real soft, puffy, um, you know, chewy kind of a, a pretzel. So, kids, if you're making them at home, you might want to work the dough. Work How the did dough. you know to ask that question? <laughs> I watch a lot of the Great British Baking okay. Show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great show. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to hear from you. Tell us about pretzels you've eaten, pretzels you'd like to eat, or your earliest pretzel memory. Send us an email at pretzelpodcast at gmail.com or reach us on social media by visiting Pretzel Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Michelle Madernowski. Let's return to our special Pretzel Podcast field trip to the food lab at Mount Mary University, where we are talking with food scientist Ann Vravik about what makes a pretzel a pretzel. Well, we we brought three products along here, and uh, we kind of wanted to go through them. One of the things that that I think would help us in the long run doing this podcast uh, is to talk about the language of how we describe what we're tasting. And I know you have a tasting lab here mm-hmm. at uh, mm-hmm. at Mount Mary, and I don't know that we need to to worry about doing a blind taste <laughs> test because we're already looking at the product. And I think if we can't tell the difference between these three things, we're in trouble. Um, but can you give us some advice for when, when you bite into something like this? What's the language we should be using, uh, aside from, you know, maybe English for most of our listeners? Yeah, right. Truly describing any type of food, um, the scientist generally tries to provide the words to the taster. Because if you have somebody say, yeah, I like that, and I don't like this, what does that mean? You know, you can't really quantify that or reproduce that. So... <laughs> Generally, the way that you do it in a science field, if you need to provide these words, um, either you know through descriptive uh, scenarios, or you can do what's called a flavor wheel. And then people start in the middle with a few specifics and then move their way out of the wheel so that people have the same terminology that they're using to describe what they're tasting. So are there are there particular is there particular terminology that you would encourage us to use as we compare one pretzel to the next? Well, so let's see. These are hard pretzels. So I would say the mouthfeel that would be important for a pretzel would be the strength of the bite. So you could talk about strength or you could talk about crispness if that's something that's important. Others might like more of the break that mm-hmm. um so that would all be in the sound area of it. Then there's the touch. You know, is it does it feel sticky? Does are the uh, salt particles too large or too small? Or I feel like this is in line with what we talked about. Say, I, I feel like you're on the right, yeah. right. You're on the right track. <laughs> exactly. So it all really depends on what your goal is. 
So, you know, for our taste, taste testing right now, you could we could set a goal and say, you know, let's let's decide the difference between just the way that the bite works for us and come up with a few words that would describe that. So, or you could do flavor, of course. You know, is it um, bland? Does it have the flavor of bread? Is it yeasty? That's another term. Does it? You know, can you taste the yeast? Saltiness. Um, and the yeastiness is that, is that the kind of kind of sour-ish quality to a pretzel? Well, I would describe it as a savory flavor. So something that is just that yummy yumminess that goes along with it. But for me personally, I can really taste that yeastiness. Like I can tell a bread that is risen that day versus one that has been on the shelf for a while, just due to the amount of you know yeast that's in that there. Be our goal, like a pretzel sommelier. <laughs> should we start? We should. Yeah, let's uh, let's start. Um, Michelle, we brought three bags of things, and we know one of them is a pretzel. Let's, we know one of them is yeah. not a pretzel, and we really have no idea what the third one is. <laughs> That's a very accurate way to describe them. Let's start with what we know to be a pretzel, okay. and why we know it's a pretzel. Aside from the label that says pretzels pretzels. on it, yeah. Um, So these are Bucky Badger Mini Twist Pretzels. Uh, 16 ounce has a nice picture of Bucky on there. Bucky Bucky looks um, disturbed about something. Well, he's always angry. That's just Bucky. It's his fighting nature. Yeah. Right? So what, what I would recognize first as a traditional pretzel is its shape. So as the um, the arms come together in the, the prayer, prayer formation um, is truly the traditional shape of a pretzel. Uh, okay, so the look is definitely a pretzel. There's salt on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I like to see the big mm-hmm. chunks of salt. Me too. And then the other thing I look at when I'm looking at pretzels. Oh, that's good. She's already trying it. <laughs> I like to see the color of it. To me, if it's darker, it's had the right bath treatment of the sodium hydroxide with the high pH and made it darker. Um, I don't like them light colored. To me, that's just more like bread. There's a couple ways to make them dark, too. The lye, of course, and then some of the more modern methods, because using these sodium hydroxide solutions are pretty hard to control, um, that they will put an egg wash Mm. on the top to make it dark. That's not the traditional method, though. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I feel like I should taste this. Could you taste Mm -hmm. the yeast? No, I could not. And that doesn't surprise me because um, these are such thin, small pretzels that they weren't going for the rise. And, in fact, I don't think the label even has yeast on here, does it? (laughs) (laughs) You definitely wouldn't be able to. Okay, uh, it's got leavening. So instead they used... um, you know, baking soda to get the rise rather than yeast. Not a not a huge fan of these. Pretty dry. They are pretty dry. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to... I'm halfway through this tiny twist, and I already need to go to my bottle of water. Right. But did you notice the stickiness on your tongue? I did. Mm-hmm. And in so, your teeth. Yeah, and in your teeth. Right. That surface stickiness. And even if I press it with my fingers, I can feel that stickiness as well. So I don't know their manufacturing process. They may or may not use... The sodium hydroxide or even just a bath of baking soda, but um, it definitely has that feeling. Hmm. They went I've never the noticed that before, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's something we'll have to add. Stickiness. Stickiness, right. yeah. So it is so. a pretzel. Well, I would say it's a modern version of a pretzel. That's for sure. 
So that was uh, Bucky Badger pretzels, yeah. or just Badger pretzels, are they? Yeah, I don't think With it's Bucky on the front. Right. They might. Oh, they are Bucky Badger. No, Bucky Badger, I wonder yeah. how much they have to pay to use that. Uh, speaking of which, how much did you have to pay to buy those pretzels? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> they didn't break the bank. I'm assuming they're on the, the cheaper end. Uh, so we're, we're re- revisiting our crisp bread rings just to find out why they're not a pretzel. But I think after our lesson, we kind of have a, kind of right. have well, a why don't, hunch. Why don't you tell us? What I don't think learned. they were bathed. Ah. I don't know. I would agree. Okay. Because they're not very brown. I mean, they, they look browned more from the oven browning than they do from the process of... And it's interesting because you would think that those two things are sort of the part and parcel of the same phenomenon. But uh, as you say, a pretzel would be brown even regardless of the amount of time it was in the oven. It would. Two different reactions, chemical reactions going on here. Um, similar, but this one is involved more with the breakdown of the proteins that have reacted to cause that dark color, whereas this is more of a combination of other kinds of reactions happening. I think we are uh, especially interested in your take on the... Uh... <laughs> well, honestly, they look like bagels to me. <laughs> a little hard bagels. You're not the first to make that comparison. <laughs> Uh, sugar is also an ingredient high on the list. So I'm yeah, and that. that's actually not uncommon in a yeast-based bread product because you have to feed the yeast. Yeast eat sugar. So if you put uh, you know any kind of yeast into a recipe, you've got to add a little bit of sugar. So, But you can obviously add it for flavor as well. Um, and I think we did see yeast on this, correct? The yeah. ingredients. So, so, so is that the only reason why this isn't? A pretzel, though? Um, well, my person personal feeling would be it's not a pretzel because, number one, it's shape. Number two, it doesn't have salt on the outside. And number three, it doesn't appear to me to have been bathed in the lye, although it does have a, a bit of a smooth texture on the top with a tinge of stickiness. But that could be due to an egg wash or some wash of some sort on the top just for browning. It is up to you if you want to eat it. <laughs> I, I would love to try it just to see. I'm going to break it first and take a look at it that way. Oh, wow. That is really yes. So just be careful when so, bite it. Not much rise. Interesting. If they used yeast, hardly any rise at all. Right. I'm wondering what the purpose of the, of the yeast, yeast was. is. <laughs> oh, my. She got through it a lot faster than we did. We got a good, the trick is to break it in half first and then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very, um, very bread-like. To me, this is more like a breadstick. Mm. Michelle's comment when we tasted it, I believe, was uh, it tastes like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I had the hardest time biting into it, and then yeah, it is very hard, um, very dry. But dryness, um, one of the reasons why having dry pretzels is so effective is that they have much longer shelf life. So they have much less moisture and what we call water activity, which is just a understanding of the free amount of water available and um when there's no water available organisms can't grow they don't mold they don't mold <laughs> right they so no pathogens you, no do you think these are stale or just supposed to be this hard i think they're supposed to be this hard this doesn't feel stale to me it still okay. feels like it the, the crumb still breaks up in my mouth evenly whereas stale sort of has this uh additional bite to it that that comes afterwards i don't know how to explain staleness okay uh, okay, so uh, that leads us to um, a package of something that I picked up at World Market. 
it was the, it was the only thing I could find that sort of seemed to straddle the line between pretzels and not pretzels. These are called Twiglets. They're made by <laughs> Jacobs. This package cost me about three bucks. Um, it tells us that they're uh, high in in fiber, as uh, <laughs> as the uh, English would spell fiber. Uh, they are oven baked, not fried which I guess is a selling point, so they are not potato chips. Uh, no artificial colors or flavors, and they have 80%, they are eight, They are 80% whole grain, a whole lot of crunch in a whole grain munch eat is their logo. This, or eat this, read this. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read the packaging. Only Twiglets give you that distinctive knobbly shape combined with a zingy taste and crunchy bite for all-around sensual satisfaction. Whoa. Who writes these things? <laughs> <laughs> and they are great for sharing with friends at parties in your home or on the go, not to mention during podcast recordings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for an American, this would be about a single serving. <laughs> <laughs> this is for uh, your for, whole family. And, <laughs> yeah, it does say for your whole family. <laughs> if you're single. <laughs> 150 grams in the bag. It says, uh, I think a single serving is 25. And uh, depending on uh, whether we like them, uh, a single serving may be about one gram. Right. (laughs) (laughs) One ticket. All right. Let's see. They kind of look like naked Cheetos. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Or burnt naked Cheetos. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely try to get the brown look on the outside, but they do look... I don't know what's coming off of my hands. Do you... It is the... Oh. Ooh, that's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> it's like... That is not what I expected. I don't know what it is. No, though. how would I even explain that? Ac- acrid. <laughs> or... Wow. Whole yeah. wheat flour. Sort of smoky. Hmm. Flavoring. It's yeast Very... extract, barley salt, vegetable extract. Carrot, vegetable oils, white pepper. Is it the white pepper? Which is funny because they're so brown, <coughs> you could use a black pepper. <laughs> well, and, and the, on dried the, marmite. On the, yeah, yeah. Dried marmite. You know what Vegemite is? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, 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 I think the generic for Vegemite oh. is marmite. <laughs> so the picture it looks like seeds are shooting out of it. So I thought it was going to be like this whole grain kind of more of like... I really cannot place that flavor. It almost has a burned flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Not a pretzel. Definitely not a pretzel. <laughs> it's definitely more of what we call an extrusion process. So rather than make the bread, let it rise, and bake it, instead what they've done is send it through a very, very tiny nozzle. And as it leaves the extrusion because of the pressure, they kind of puff up like Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And uh, so definitely a different process for creating the, the snack. But in, instead of yeast, they used yeast extract, which is... Um, that is a, what Marmite is, isn't it? Isn't Marmite it is. yeast extract? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and, it's, it's all the Vegemite you love in a crispy <laughs> wheat snack. Right. Is this what Vegemite tastes like? Not. No, because it's... Okay. Well, Vegemite's pretty s- this is strong. Like aftertaste. But yeast extract is used because it gives that savory flavor. Um, it's used in all sorts of foods that uh, give you that homey, yummy, 
comfort flavor, you know, like think of chicken noodle soup. That's got a generally yeast extract in those huh. uh, formulations, the idea of making you want more um, because it tastes so savory. So it definitely has that savory flavor to it, I think. Quite a lot of bite. Right. So they're a little Very burnt, crisp. and they have some sort of stuff on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely taste the burned flavor. I mean, yeah. they, they went for that because that's in the the powdery flavoring on the outside. So right, there was like a food that? scientist out there who said, how can we make a powder that tastes More burnt. burnt? Right. And then they had their consumers test it and say... We want more burnt. <laughs> we really want this burnt. And this isn't burnt enough. They, can you make they it call it more savory. Burnt? Would you call it savory? I would call it savory. Yeah. You don't think that it tastes yummy to you? Sort of a... Uh, I don't like pepper. I don't really like burnt things. I'm, I'm liking them the more I eat them. The, I know. They, me too. You know what they... <laughs> they do look like Cheetos, though. No, you know what they look like? They look like chicken bones. This looks <laughs> oh, like yeah. the bone of a chicken leg. Right, with the puffy ends. Right. Like After you've like eaten, you know, you get you, you go to you go to Buffalo Wild Wings or something <laughs> and you eat all the chicken off of your wings and this is what you're left with. It does kind of look like that. You're right. You're right. But from the picture on the package, I thought they were gonna look more like a twisted pretzel stick. I agree completely. Much like the much like the Lady Doritos issue, uh, there's a lot of grit left on the. Uh, right, on your I'm fingers, licking my right? fingers. Not <laughs> supposed to do that. Exactly. I know it. I know it. Yeah. Let me ask you: Do you think your 13 year old daughter would like Twiglets? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think my 13 no. year old daughter would either. No, no. It, it's yeah. a refined taste. It is a refined taste, but it does grow on you, doesn't it? I mean, I wanted another another one. I thought these were pretty good. So let me ask you one last question as, as a food scientist. At some level, do, does it always come down to, you know, if you think it tastes good, it is good? Oh, that's a really good question because I have developed formulations before where I think it's really good and then it's a bomb when it gets out to the consumer. Um, hopefully you catch it before it actually gets packaged and sold. <laughs> but, um, but it's funny. Everybody has such a personal preference for flavor and taste and texture that um, if I'm developing something and I think it's fabuloso and a consumer or a potential customer tastes it, they might find it to be um, completely unacceptable. So um, it's definitely a personal preference, a personal thing. I'm thinking, you know, these twiglets here, and (laughs) I I have a good friend from England, and, you know, I have no idea whether he likes twiglets, but he might sit there and, (laughs) you know, pound back an entire bag of these, and then I would bring them home and give them to my nine-year-old, and he would spit he it across it. the room, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it's also definitely something that is a difference in age. You just brought up a really good point. I mean, children have a much different preference than people, you know, of age um, <laughs> <laughs> for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, but age plays a role in it, and your experiences play a role in it. You know, what you grew up with um, could be something that you find more appealing. For others, those are things you find less appealing. You know, it depends on a lot of your memories. and Well, and we talked about that on our last right. Pretzel Podcast yeah. recording. Also, just uh, what, attracted, what, what attracts you to cheddar cheese rolled gold. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there was a period of my life when I ate a lot of them. So now it's like when you eat them, you think about when right. you did eat a right. lot of them. And, yeah. Or something bad might have happened to you, and now you absolutely you can never hate that. Have, have them the, again. The twig lit ever again. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for our very special Pretzel Science episode of the Pretzel Podcast. 
Special thanks to Ann Vravik and Mount Mary University for hosting us. The Pretzel Podcast is distributed by WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, which distributes many other fine podcasts. You can learn how to fill your mobile device with them at WUWM.com. I'm Mitch Tyke. And I'm Michelle Maternowski. Join us again for the next moderately exciting edition of the Pretzel Podcast. From Pretzel World Headquarters, this has been an episode of the Pretzel Podcast, a production of National Pretzel Radio. Thank you.